Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Notice, if you will, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, reads as follows. While the earth remains, of course, the earth is existing right now. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Again, while the earth remains, of course, we're on the earth right now. There will be seed, time, and harvest. There will be cold and there will be heat. There will be winter and there will be summer. And there will be day and there will be night. According to the word of the Lord, it shall not cease. Based on that, I want to talk to you from this particular topic. Thankful for the opportunity to sow. Thankful for the opportunity to sow. Thanksgiving Day is a national holiday in the U.S. and Canada designated to celebrate the harvest and other blessings of the year. In the U.S., Thanksgiving Day is November 25th. In Canada, it's October the 11th. Typically, when we think of Thanksgiving Day, we think in, uh, in many cases of family, friends, turkey, dressing, stuffing mix, collards, pinto beans, macaroni and cheese, ham, sweet potato pie, pumpkin pie, cake, cranberry sauce, cold glass of tea, soda, and so forth. And if things go well, we'll eat good, watch an NFL game or two, a movie of our choice, and so forth. Now, as believers, if we're fortunate enough, we will not only receive these things, the food, the fellowship, football, the movies, and so forth, but we'll continue to develop or realize the benefits of developing, growing, and becoming more mature as well as maintaining or continuing with a thankful heart every day of the year. How important is that? Let's look at five biblical reasons to maintain a thankful heart. The first one comes from the book of Psalms 100, verse 4. Psalms 100 and verse 4, which reads as follows. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So we enter into his gates or his temple or as church, but we enter with thanksgiving, telling God how much we appreciate him and how grateful we are, and into his courts with praise, and being thankful unto him and blessing his name. Of course, his name is Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will will of excuse me, will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always first. Rejoice. Always rejoice. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. 
express gratitude. We are grateful for everything. For this is the will or the desire or the purpose or the command of God in Christ Jesus for you. One of the things when I look at that is I'm grateful and we are grateful that the word is working in every area of our lives despite our shortcomings. Now, we're not perfect, but God is working in our lives. He's working in there. So I'm giving thanks for that. Things happen bad, but God is working in the bad. Things happen good, God is working in the good. I appreciate the fact that the word is working in every area of our lives. The next one is First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Again, oh, give thanks, give praise, confess the name of God, give thanks to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Confess he is holy before the Lord. For why? He is good, he is excellent, he is prosperous, he is kind, he is understanding. He is beneficial, and he's better than anybody or anything that I will encounter. Why? For his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, and his faithfulness endures forever. God does not give me what I deserve based on his love and his mercy in our lives. Another scripture is Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, whatever you do in word, whatever you speak, whatever you say, or the deeds or the things you're trying to accomplish, do it all in the name or the authority or the command or the excellence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Giving thanks, being grateful to God the Father through him. So whatever I do in word or in deed, I'm doing it based on God's authority, his command, and his excellence. And so I give thanks because I know God is going to help me to accomplish it. I appreciate that. Couldn't do it on my own. I could, but it won't turn out beneficial to me. Another scripture be Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent in it with thanksgiving. Continue. In other words, continue to go earnestly in prayer, being diligent, being watchful, being alert in it with thanksgiving or being grateful. In other words, my attitude and my mindset is one of being grateful, being thankful for what God is doing in my life. Regardless of what I feel. Regardless of what I think and see, we see according to these scriptures as well as others that we must mature as well as grow and develop in maintaining a heart of thanksgiving. For our family, for our friends, for our health, for our wealth, for godly relationships, and the most important one, the a relationship that I'm thankful for is the one with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
That is the most important relationship in my life. And I pray that it's the most important relationship in your life as well. For he should be your king. He should be your savior. He should be your protector. He should be your lord. He should be your master. He should be your healer. He should be the redeemer of your soul. And you should be like, like they say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Nobody do me like Jesus. No man, no organization, no business, no company. So I keep him first in every area of my life. That is the most important relationship that we should have in our life. We should put everything else aside when it comes to Jesus. He has to be the most important relationship in our life. Let me say this to you. You should be grateful if you have got the revelation that Jesus is the most important relationship in your life. If you can go into Thanksgiving saying, hey, you know what? Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. If I wake up in the morning and talk about, you know, Jesus is still the Lord of my life, whether I eat turkey, whether I watch a movie, whether I get a cold glass of tea, he's still Lord of my life. Oh, that's good news right there, because if you can say that, oh, you you ain't got to worry about what this, that, and the other brings your way, because he's the Lord of your life. In my opinion, developing a heart of being thankful is a lifelong process. It don't happen to me. It doesn't happen overnight. In order to be grateful and appreciative and obliged, it's a lifelong process. And God's word is here to give us knowledge as well as understanding to support us on this journey. See, knowledge and understanding helps us to see what we are grateful for. Not because everything is perfect and and our current financial or health situation is not intense, but I'm thankful because I serve a perfect God who is bigger and greater than the trial, than the trouble, than the circumstance. Oh, he's Lord when things are going good, and he's Lord when things are being challenged. He is Lord of lords and he's king of kings. But only if I allow him to be the Lord, only if I allow him to be the king, will he be a Lord over my life. One of the things I should be grateful for is that God gets involved with my business. Mm. Why do we try to keep God out of our business? We want God to be involved in our business. Want him involved in our home life. Want him involved with our church life. Want him involved in our auxiliaries. Want him involved with our work situation. Want him involved in our home. Want him involved in our relationships. Want him involved in every area of our lives. We want God involved. How many want God involved in every area of your life? You don't try to lock him out, talking about you can't come in, talking about he's knocking at the door. He should be, he should be not, no longer knocking at your door by now. You should be letting him in to every area of your life. A heart of thanksgiving will help us to learn how to maximize or make the best use of opportunities or the set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something in spiritual as well as natural matters. Opportunities will come and opportunities will go. Whether we make the best use of these circumstances probably varies depending on your age and the season of your life. Are we mature enough to take advantage of the opportunities that come our way? It's, you got to be mature. 
Because sometimes you'll miss out on godly opportunities because of immaturity. Mm-mm-mm. Let me give you another some more examples here. Some of us have had the opportunity to spend time with our children when they were young to develop and provide guidance, but instead we worked long hours and maybe we chose friends and fame. Some people had, listen, they had to work to put food on the table. They had to work overtime. They had to work under time. They had to work time and time and time. But they were putting food on the table, making sure there were lights and so forth. But now there's a disconnect, a brokenness in the relationship. And probably had we had maximized the opportunity when they were younger, the foundation and bond may have been stronger. But if it's not, repent and work on getting it right by the help of the Holy Spirit. Never, never give up because the relationship is where it is. If the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you, allow him to show you what to do. Another example, some of us have not been the best stewards over our finances from a biblical or a natural perspective before we receive knowledge as well as understanding. We may have have grown up with many areas of lack, not having needs met, lack of food. Maybe you had a breakfast or a lunch at school, but food was limited in the evenings and the weekends. Not because no one cooked, but because the food was not in the pantry. That's why we're so grateful and thankful for everyone who gives, organizes, and supports our backpack ministry. Because food insecurities are real. Food insecurities are real. Sometimes people don't have a stable place to live. They move from place to place. Never really unpacked, but they always just kept something and something they could go real quickly. They were not stable in their living. Some had a home but lacked heat at times, water, even electricity. Sometimes you would play games and put a candle, light a candle in two or three places in the room, get a kerosene heater and put it on a corner, and y'all played, act like everything was normal, but in your mind, you knew it wasn't normal. Sometimes you may wake up to some dark or cold morning. It was not because of storm damage, because the bill was not paid. Maybe, may not have had the clothes, the name brand clothes to choose from, or was always the person to receive hand-me-downs. Always got my sister's stuff. Always got my brother's stuff. Never had stuff of my own. Perhaps mom or dad or the parent who raised you, who they made money, but they spent the money on what they wanted, and the house went lacking. So when you, they, you needed money for sports, beauty aids, barbershop money, there was never enough funds. Experiences like these can shake the way you look at finances. They can shake you to the point that if you're not careful, they'll dictate to you how you should spend, especially when it comes to God's money. Experiences like that can affect us in our mind, our will, and our emotions in a manner that will get born again as well as those who are coming up in the Lord and and allowing the Lord to really minister to you when it comes to giving. It can be a challenge to dismiss these experiences and when you hear God telling you to give at the same time. You're thinking about your past and you're trying to do better, but yet the past keeps pulling at you. When you hear scriptures like Luke 6 and 38, let's go to Luke 6 and 38. Luke 6 and 38, I'm going to read it to you and go back over and look at it a little closer. 
Let me get it here in my Bible real quickly. <clears throat> Luke 6 and 38 reads as follows. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So again, understood subject there is you. You give. You supply. You furnish. You give over. You bestow a gift. And it will be given. So when you give, it's going to be given. Deliver back to you. Yield it or grant it to you. How's it going to be done? Good or good measure. Good is a useful or surpassing measure. Is proportion measured off. What is due? So if I measure something, I'm going to measure it back to you as the Lord tells me in this particular text. Not only that, it's going to be shaken together. Shaken means to agitate, agitate to the point that it is filled. You agitate it to the point that it's filled. And then it says shaken together. Excuse me, press down, shake together, and running over. Excuse me. It's poured out beyond measure, or another word we like to use is overflow will be put into your bosom. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You may hear this scripture, but it may not click with you. It may not register with you. You may not get the revelation to you. And so you'll do enough to get by not understanding the power of what you give. Not understanding the power of what you give. I've learned by studying this scripture is that in order to get a good harvest, you need a good seed. In order to get a good harvest, you need a good seed. Now, I was just led to read about a certain person, and some of you may have heard of him, Orville Redenbacher. He makes popcorn. I know one or two of you in this sanctuary like popcorn. Some of y'all have probably got some at your house right about now. It may not be Orville Redenbacher, but it's probably some popcorn. He makes what I read was interesting about him. And I won't go into all the dynamics behind it, but basically what he said was this. In order to get a better popcorn, I need a better kernel. I need a better seed. Because if I got a better seed, I produce a better popcorn. And that got me to thinking, I'm not going to everything about that, but he developed in his mind was a better seed or a better kernel and so he turned, he got a better popcorn. I thought about that from our standpoint. If we want a better harvest, we got to plant a better seed. We got to plant a better seed. We can't expect if we keep planting bad seeds to get good harvest. Now, let's take this a little bit further. One fact I learned by studying this, and I and be honest with y'all, this is literally, I'm still thinking about this as I tell you about it, so we're going to dig in this a little further as the Lord kind of reveals it to us. We really don't know what people give like God does. We see an envelope or receipt or whatever, and we may get stuck on that, 
But really, we don't know everything that goes into what that person just gave. When it comes to our offering, nobody knows the determination in your giving. The faith that has been developed in order for you to give. The overtime, the business deals, the planning, whatever else you had in order to give that offering. See, tithes is already set. We don't go around trying to negotiate with God about the tithes. Tithes is set. We give tithes as the Spirit of God, excuse me, 10% as God already told us to do. But the offering is what the Holy Spirit guides us into giving as long as it's freely given. Now, I want to go to another scripture that really stood out to me. When I'm studying this, Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and how many who were rich put in much. Now, nothing wrong with being rich and putting in much. Nothing wrong whatsoever. Uh. When rich people put in money, nothing wrong with that. I know some people get upset when you hear words like they rich and they giving money. Well, nothing wrong with that. But notice something that what Jesus was doing that caught my attention. He was watching what people were giving. He was watching. He and what's interesting, he knew who was rich and he knew who was poor. God knows your financial situation. He knows it. And what I love about God, he's not intimidated by it. You know, his word still works despite our financial situation. Oh, I love the fact. See, he's getting involved with our finances. He's getting involved. He said, yeah, Dobbs, I know what you got. I, I, I know, and what I love about this, I know what you're putting in that bucket. I know the faith that it took for you to get to this point in your life. I knew, I know what it took for you to get to this, what you had to do in order to get there. I know the planning that it took. I know that you're making sure that you obey me in this situation right here. Notice what he said in verse 42. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quart, quadrant. Basically, what two mites make up what they consider the lowest coin in the Roman government. Uh, uh, you put it like this. You got uh, two dimes and a nickel made up a quarter, something along that line. The, the coins made up their smallest denomination. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasure. Hold on, God, you must can't count now. She put in that, but here are these rich people putting in all of this. Are y'all seeing the text here? But God was counting more than what they could see. And this is what I love about God. God knows what you put in. He knows everything that you do. Now, notice this, tithes are already taken care of. But this is the offer we're talking about here. 
He knows what you have to do in order to put in. He knows your determination. He said, you know what? I, some, some people got their money. Oh, I got a little extra here. You know what? I'm going to give a little extra right here in this offering right here. And God saw it. See, never think that God doesn't see your labor of love. Never think that God has not calculated what you give and what you kept. Never think that God said, you know what? This person right here said, you know what? I was going to do this. I decided, you, you telling me, God, to give this? I'm going to give this right here. This week, I'm going to give some extra on the building fund. This week, I'm going to give some extra on the debt reduction. This week, I'm going to give some extra on this, that, and the other. And God said, you know what? I see them. Look at what they give. Oh, look at, look at that widow woman. Look at what she's giving right here. Oh, look at that minister. Look at what she's giving. Look at that praise and worship person. Look what they're giving right here. Oh, look at that young person. They are taking their money, and they have gotten with me, and they say, you know what? I believe for something bigger. So I'm going to take my allowance, and I'm going to give this much right here. Because he looks at the youth just like he looks at the adults. Teaching our youth how to give what benefit them as they get older. Can you imagine some of y'all would have started giving when you were eight and five and six years old? How much further ahead you would be? Because God would be teaching you how to give. And so he says in the text, for they all, verse 44, put in out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty, putting all that she had, her whole livelihood. This woman has sold a tremendous seed. She has sold something. And see, what I love about this is he, God is looking at our seed. He's getting involved in what you give. I love the fact that he gets involved in what I give. Man can give one way, but God says, I'm getting involved with your giving. I'm getting involved. I need for God to be involved in my giving. Ooh, I need for God to be involved in my giving. Oh, I can spend time. I got some more stuff I need to get to you. Let me share this with you real quickly. We're giving our faith. Why, why you say your faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we give by faith, oh, something to happen, y'all. Something to happen. See, I can't imagine this woman, I doesn't really say this, this woman not giving and not expecting God to do something great in her life. I'm going to read Hebrews 11 and 16 again. I'm going to make sure I get into you verbatim what the, Holy, what the word says here. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarded of those who diligently seek him. So when you give like that, you can let God be in charge of your harvest. I want God to be in charge of our harvest. I don't need man or the government or my kid folks or even me to be in charge of my harvest. I can't, I, I need to be in a position. I can't even figure out how much God given to me.
That just dropped down from heaven, y'all. I pray you got that one. I'm going to say it one more time. I got to read some more scriptures to you. But notice this. I don't even want to know how much God is giving to me because he's giving me so much. In other words, it's so much, I can't even count it. If drug dealers got so much money they can't count, I know God can give his children so much money they can't count. Oh, God. See, I know y'all want, I, want, I know, I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me give you a few scriptures to, under, to back up what I'm saying here. Matthew 13, verse 8. Matthew 13 and verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Notice this. Some are hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So God determines if it's a hundred, if it's a sixty, and if it's a thirty. I want God to maximize our return. So when you put it in, I'm leaving God for a hundredfold return. Now, if I break, if you break me off sixty, amen. Look how y'all looking at me here. If, if I get thirty, I'm okay. I know I could have gotten a hundred, but I appreciate thirty times what I give. Oh, look how they look at God. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can, I, I, if I can't get a hundred, I can't get nothing. That's you. I want all God has for me. Why not you? You're a child of God. Why not you? Let me go to another example. Ephesians 3 and 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us. Again, now to him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. See, that's what God does. He gives you stuff and you really don't know how much you got. Remember a few weeks ago, God told us we were rich in faith. I mean, let's face it. Some of probably with me, I didn't realize I had so many categories I was rich in. I was so busy trying to pinpoint God down to one category when God would say, hey, you hold on now. You can't say you just rich in one area, poor in one area. You got to look at every area of your life. I'm blessed. And any area he's, I, I don't, I'm not rich in, he's working on making me rich in that area. But, oh, God. I hear so much running through my head. I got to slow it down. Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10 reads as follows. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there would not be enough room to receive it. Can you see how much God has given us right here? He said there be not enough room to receive it. So we give God his tithes. We give God his offerings. There be not enough, enough room to receive it. I mean, that's abundant right there. That's abundance. That is abundance. He's doing exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think according to the power that working with us. So God sees what you give. I like that. I like that. He's looking at what we give. He sees what we give. Now, if we take a, let's go back over to Luke 6 and 38. I want you to be with me now. Be with me. Stay with me.
Back to Luke 6 to 38. The latter part of that says, with the same measure, identical measure, measure is a portion, measure, the rule of standard or judgment that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, if you read that from one standpoint, you almost think, if I gave God $5, I get $5 back. But it's bigger than that. I want you to notice something what he says. With the same identical measure, or the portion measure, the rule of standard, or the judgment that you use, it will be measured back to you. So we look at this, but with the same identical measure, the same portion, the same rule of standard, the same judgment. Judgment is my attitude, my faith, my determination that you use. It will be measured out to you. So I'm looking at this, and I go back and I'm thinking, okay, God, I give. After I give, it's going to be given back to me. Good measure, press down, shake it together, run it over. That same measure. Now, let me give you a natural example before I go into the spiritual example. Because some of you, I, I, want you, I want you to stay with me. Now, okay, l- let me go ahead and put this out here for all of you who can, who can really cook. I know my measurements are not exactly right for a cake. Let me go ahead and put this out here. And let me put it out there so y'all say, Pastor, that, that, that cake could be nasty if you cook that. I was like, well, let's just, just stay with me. I thought, if I take four eggs, some flour, and some milk, and whatever else you take to make a cake, <laughs> and mix it together, mix it up. I remember my, my mom used to make cake, grandma used to make cake, and she would mix it up in the mixer. But it's interesting, it's the same ingredients. Ingredients. Say the four eggs, the flour, the milk, whatever. And she mixed it all together. She mixed it. And she take what she mixed and she put it in a cake pan. And she would put it in the stove. And then it came out. It was a pretty cake. But notice, she didn't add anything to it. It was the same thing that she put in it. But it changed. Now help me for a moment. Help me for a moment. You, you take what you got. You put it in with faith. You put it in with determination. You put it in with love. You say, I want to give to God because I love God. I want to do what's right because he is my savior. He's my master. I'm going to do what's right when it comes to my giving. I am determined because I want my judgment to be right. I don't want to have a negative attitude when it comes to giving. I want to make sure I got the right attitude. When you take all of that and put it in and shake it together or put it in the stove, or when you do whatever God does in your life, it's going to come out running over. He takes what you got. Now, now let's, let's try something for a moment. If I only give this little bit right here, that's all they got to work with. Now, this is what they say, half a teaspoon. I guess this is the smallest measure I got right here. There's some words right here, but due to light and no glasses on right now, I can't read that one. But this is the smallest measure. Now, I'm not mad with you. I'm not upset with you. But this is where you're at right now, according to your faith, being unto you. 
Thank God you got this much. <laughs> Woo, thank God you got this much. Because you could have nothing. But, we're going to start out here. You're going to start out with what they say, half a teaspoon. Those fancy folks say 2.5 milliliters. Well, maybe a month later, so I'm going to break it up to one teaspoon of five milliliters. Y'all learn something about the metric system there, aren't you? <laughs> You're taking it up a little bit higher. So now if you put this in with what you mixing all together, you're going to get something bigger because you put more in. Are y'all seeing that? Well, Pastor, I've been, uh, I've been like this. Well, we're going to take it a little bit higher. This time, we're going to go to two teaspoons or ten milliliters. We're just going a little bit more. Are you seeing how we're just getting a little bit more each time? But each time we put it in, we're going to get more and more back. Because whatever you put in there, that's what you're going to get back. Remember, in this particular case, he's not adding anything. He's taking what you bring to him. And then he's shaking, pressed down, shaking together, and it's running over. Remember, he didn't add anything more. He said, I, the same measure, same judgment. I'm, listen, according to your faith. Now, if you, uh, you've you been here for a minute, and you've been saying, okay, I believe God. I believe God. I'm going to go, I'm going to skip a tablespoon. Hope that's what they say. I'm going to go all the way to two tablespoons. Woo! Boy, I'm going to get me some, a pretty cake. And this time I'll be able to share it with somebody else. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I got me two tablespoons today. Now, this is what you got to do. You can't be comparing your table, your measuring with somebody else measuring. Because if not, you might get frustrated. You might say, man, I, I want to give like, um, so-and-so who give a fourth of a cup. Woo! Fourth of a cup, but I'm still, listen, let me, let me do this right now. Fourth of a cup, but I am still on two, t- two t- tablespoons, faith. I see brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, giving three-fourths of a cup, but I'm still on two tablespoons of faith. That's okay. Because in order to get there, you have to change some things. If you want a different result, you have to do something different. Your faith will have to grow first. You can, yeah, now you can go out there and say, hey, I'm going to give three-fourths of a cup. But you don't have the faith to give that. That'll mess your mind up. Because you know what's going to happen? You get home, and your bill going to catch you on the way home before you get to the house. Hey, you know, I got, uh, hey, 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 Mr. Light Bill calling your name. Light Bill say, hey, 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 you got to pay me tomorrow. You know that, right? <laughs> I just gave my money an offer. <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, it'll mess with you. It'll mess with you. That's why you need faith. Say, hold on, that God told me to give this. I mean, he's going to supply the need. Yeah, I, heard, I heard there were several testimonies that gone over these past few weeks 
about uh, when you determined to give. I remember, I think it was senior minister right here that gave that testimony. She said she was determined to give. They had a bill due. And uh, she, she said, well, God led me to give. I'm going to give it. And I was determined to give it. She gave it. And God provided for the bill. But, you know, you got to have this kind of faith. You can't run in there with this kind of faith. Talking about, oh, well, God going to do it. Because let me tell you something. Life is real. Life is real. If you got bills, bills don't go nowhere because you give it. Thank y'all for the four-way mans right there. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. This is real. But what happens is your faith is to the point that you can believe God despite what you deal with. You believe God. Isn't that wonderful to know? But you know what I love that? All that goes into our giving. So each time I come up here on Sunday mornings, each time I come in here, God is looking at my giving and he's saying, you know what? Look at their faith. Look at their determination. Look, they had a mindset they wanted to give. They wanted to give. They wanted to give. Now, their faith may have only, only be here to give, but God can take this and turn it into something greater. Are y'all following me? Now, do we stay right here? Of course not. If you want something bigger back, you got to put something bigger in. You know, God loves a cheerful giver, right? Whose heart is in what? Giving. Giving. Now, I need to add something to this, and I'm, I'm about to close it out here in just a few minutes. I'm going to mention my scripture too, Genesis 8.22. And y'all know this is just part one, right? <laughs> just for a moment, just for a moment. If you want, take the finances, finances out just for a moment. But if you want a better marriage, you got to learn how to sow into your marriage time, love, gratitude, romance, trips, vacations, and so forth. You can't be sowing this and talk about my marriage going to be better. When you're still sowing the same thing, because, you know, your spouse may say, I already ate that cake. You better bring another cake to the table, son. I ate that plain cake. I want some German chocolate up in here. I want some red velvet. I want, I don't know what, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing some stuff out there. Now, hold on. If you want a better relationship with your children, you have to sow love, commitment, time, energy. You gotta sow. Well, I'm just gonna let it just, no, you gotta sow. That's what God can press down, shake them together, and run back over. It's what you sow. You can have a great seed, but a great seed on top of the ground ain't going to do you no good. You got to put that thing in the ground, and the ground God works with it so it can be pressed down, shaken together, and run over. If you want good health, you got to sow the necessary idols that produce good health. Something I had to start doing. <laughs> hey, David, say it. I'm going to say it. Help me, Lord. I had to start drinking water. 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 
what's sad right now? This is for me and you, brother. Don't tell nobody I sold you this. What's sad right now? If you go to my refrigerator right now, there will be no orange soda or no grape soda or no Pepsi or no Coke in my refrigerator right now. Man, I got to get saved all over again. I know some of y'all can't believe that. I know. I can't do I can't do Let me give you a few more things. I'm going to come back and give you Genesis 8.22. But I need to give you this too. I need to give you this. One, one last example I want to talk about as far as you want to get better in is you got to learn how you want a better relationship with Jesus. You got to sow prayer. You got to sow worship. You got to sow praise. You got to sow study of scripture. You got to sow witnessing. You got to sow, sow in order to get a better relationship with Jesus. The most important relationship in your life is Jesus. You got a soul to get better, though, because that's what he can work with. That's what he can work with. And see, as long as the earth remains, Genesis 8, 22, there will be seed, there will be time, and there will be harvest. So if I continue to sow as the Spirit of God leads me, whatever my area is, I won't be better in, especially finance, because this is finance and we got to continue to sow. Got to continue to sow. Then I can expect for God to give me the harvest. Harvest, not what I think, but what God is speaking into my life. If I want a better marriage, I got to sow into my marriage. If I want a better single life, I got to sow. If I want a better relationship with Jesus, I got to sow. If I want a better relationship with my children, I got to sow. If I want to be a better student, I got to sow. If I want to be a better employee, I got to sow. And as I sow, God's going to bless me, the harvest, because as long as it remains, there will be seed, there will be time, and there will be harvest. But you know what, though? When you got the opportunity to sow, you ought to be grateful for it. Why? Because you could be in a situation where you don't even have an opportunity to sow. They don't even have an opportunity to give. So when we think about Thanksgiving... Let's not think about what we're going to receive. Let's think about what we can sow. What we can sow and how the Spirit of God is leading us to sow. What we can give that will make the difference in not only my life, but in my sister's life, my brother's life, my school, my children, my relationships, and most importantly, my relationship with Jesus. I'm grateful for the opportunity to sow. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.